So does God still have the whole world in his hands? I mean, we've been looking and exploring this for the past several weeks. And I mean, it's such a broad question. And it can be used in such a variety of circumstances. I mean, does God still have everything where I hope to? I mean, if he's still there, then where was he when I needed help finding my iPhone? Or where does God reside? Like, is he in heaven? Like, actually there? I mean, is that even true? I mean, is God still there when I feel alone? And how come God seems to be present in like in some situation and then he's absent in other situations and it makes us wonder, is is God still there? And, And we've looked at a few of these. Today we're going to look at it from how some atheists view it, not all angles, but we're going to look at a few angles. And then we're going to question, is God still there when life decisions seem to kind of get the best of us? So let me give you a disclaimer quickly. If this is your first time here with us at Gathering Point, or if it's been a long time since you've been at church, I just want to say, welcome back. But I think you should know up front, I think you may have walked away from your childhood faith unnecessarily. Now, for the other group watching, if you've been a Christian for a long time, I trust you're going to find this today to strengthen your faith in the God you love. Is that fair? Is that my disclaimer? Here we go. Many of you know that I spend quite a bit of time with people who don't know or profess a relationship with Jesus. And I learn quite a lot from these people because if we've set out to be a church to help those who are far from God draw near to God, then I see it as one of my jobs to have a pulse on why people don't like God or or why they don't like church or why they used to believe and now they don't or why they used to go to church and now they don't go to church. And I found there are so many like reasons and stories out there. And listening is one of the things that gives me a tremendous amount of context. And ultimately, it helps me communicate clearly to your friends and my friends who have walked away from faith about the God that people wonder about, especially now. So after doing this for a while, some common threads have appeared and kind of categories, if you will. And while I meet the occasional atheist and agnostic or none from time to time, a very small percentage of them are what they say they are. Now, here's what I find much more readily. I find a segment of our friends, loved ones, co-workers, neighbors who say, oh, I'm atheist or I'm agnostic or I'm a nun because of this question. It has to do with, is God still there or where is God? And they say, if I could see God, then I would. But since I don't, I found a different rationale to support the way that I want to live and the way that I want to believe. And usually it has a comment like, look around at the mess right now in the world, if God was, and they go on for a bit. Now, not everyone, but a bunch of them use this as like a brushback pitch. They have two or three zingers that they kind of keep in their pocket and they just kind of wait for you to to say something and and trigger them and off they go. And, you know, you say, hey, why don't you come to church to me? And they say, blah, 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 blah. And you say, hey, have you prayed? And they're like, blah, 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 what's the point? And they say, and you kind of go and... And after a few back and forth, a few zingers, you and I sort of retreat and we just sort of wish we'd have left well enough alone. Yet, when you probe a little bit deeper, it's not the existence of God that many, not all, but many of them have issue with. Many of them see the evidence for God. The problem is they need for God to not exist. I mean, you heard me correctly. They actually need for God to not exist because if God exists and there is a God, guess what? And, And this is a huge, huge problem. Think about it. You know what happened to me and you know what happened to you when you came to terms that there was a God? Yeah, if there is a God, then you can't ignore what he has done for you. And that means you can't live the way that you want to live. So sure, you can pick at the Bible and you can make fun of churches. You can especially make fun of those online churches. I mean, yikes, wow. (laughs) 
You can mock Christians, but if there's a God, you can't ignore God. And that's a big, big problem. So many people would rather just be an atheist, which I think is kind of depressing, uh, or an agnostic or a gnome, because if there's a God, then, 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 then they would have to change the way that they live. And since I don't want to change the way that I'm living, people will usually live in attack mode. Sure, it's passive-aggressive. Sure, I may not like what I have to say to people, but, but at least I can live my life the way that I want to. So let me pause for just a second and just help you out. These are not bad people. And many had a time in their life when they went to church. Then some of them deconverted. Some had really bad church experiences. Or they went to church and said, or, or they did, and some, some read books or podcasts and blogs. Some decided religion was kind of holding them back from really li living. But when you listen to them really close, do you know what you find? There's a really big difference between I don't believe and I used to believe, and a difference to I don't want to believe. Because most people that I've talked to, and this is very unscientific, most people that I talked to didn't lose their faith because someone talked them out of their faith, or they read some book, or it was a podcast. Most stopped believing because their faith became inconvenient. And I've heard them say, well, I went on a truth quest. I just needed to know the truth. And, and here's what I've discovered about that. Nobody is on a truth quest. Nobody. People don't walk around trying to find the truth every day. I mean, think about it. Who have you talked to that's on a truth quest about COVID-19 anymore? Nobody is anymore. You're on a quest to live the way that you want to live and find something or somebody or some other state who supports your view and you want to support that because you live your life and make decisions because you want to be happy or fulfilled or because something was fun. Or if not fun, you just want to live your life without somebody else telling you how to live. So don't, don't kid yourself about truth. It's not because it was true. I mean, think about this. I mean, if you made decisions based off of truth in your life right now, you would wear a mask and gloves all the time. Nobody would have left their house over the last couple months. And think of this. Nobody would eat ice cream. Nobody would text and drive. Everybody would exercise. And you would wash your hands and your teeth longer. Because the truth about those items is overwhelming. So let's be honest. You don't live for truth. You find what you like, and then you find a system that supports what you like. So, before you just think I'm being mean, let's, let's back up a little bit. And let's pause for a second. Let's look at it this way. When you were a kid, and you got in an argument with your parents, were you arguing about the truth? No. You argued because you wanted to get your way. And some of you knew you were wrong, but what'd you do? Yeah, you kept arguing anyway. Why? It wasn't about the truth. You wanted what? You wanted to win. So how does this relate? How does this relate to does God still have the whole world in his hands? Well, let's get to that. A long time ago, there was a guy in Spain, and he needed to go to Rome, Italy. And so he's a little nervous about going to Rome because he was concerned about the people there and how they would receive his message. He heard about what was happening in Rome, and he was, he was kind of uh, apprehensive about it. So he decides to write a letter first, telling the people of Rome what he had experienced in Jesus. I mean, he was nervous about this. But he was so nervous that he tries to find somebody else to deliver for him. So he's walking around saying, hey, can you go? Are you going to Rome? Could you drop this off for me? I mean, think of how different it would be now. I mean, now he could have had his letter delivered by DoorDash, and he could have sent, like, Olive Garden takeout with it to help, like, soften the message of it. So this guy needs a delivery boy, and his name was the Apostle Paul. 
Later, this letter becomes known as the book of Romans that we know about in the New Testament. So I just want to remind you, the Bible is a collection of writings that talk about what happened in time. Uh, because it's in the Bible, that doesn't make something true because it, was, it, because it was written down. It's true because something happened and then the Bible records it. If it hadn't been true, it would never have survived. And people would have said, no way that's true. And they would have dismissed it. I mean, think about it. You can't even remember fake news from six months ago. Fake news never survives the test of history. So things like Columbus sailing the Atlantic or George Washington being the first president, all of it is told in history because it happened. And it survives because it was true. And the reason we know it was true because there was eyewitnesses who saw it. So Paul writes this to the people in Rome who are wondering, does God exist? And if he does, does this God have the whole world in his hand? And if he does, what does this God want or expect from me? And so he starts off this letter that he's super nervous to write because he doesn't know how the people of Rome are going to view him or view this whole thing called Christianity or even believe what he has to say about Jesus. And so he starts talking about this, this, this God, and he says this in chapter 1 of Romans, verse 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness for those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Now, if, now I know why he doesn't want to go deliver it himself. He's like, could you deliver this for me? I don't think people are going to like it when I tell them that I'm living in, they're living in wickedness and they're suppressing truth. He's right. So he continues, verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. And ever since the creation of the world, His, God's eternal power and divine nature, his, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things that He has made. So then he tells them, so basically you're without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. They claimed to be wise, yet they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. And he's talking about all the statues and everything of all the crazy things people were worshiping in Rome. And so then he says, so God just kind of let those people go, and therefore God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the degrading of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So do you know why many people don't want to believe in God? No, not everyone, just most of the ones I talk to. You ready for this? It's because if they acknowledge God, then they're probably going to feel guilty, which is the opposite of being happy. And if they acknowledge God, you know what happens? Then you're accountable. Now, unaccountable people always make regrettable decisions. But if you admit that there's a God, then you know you have to submit to God. And that creates problems in doing what you want to do. Because if you acknowledge God or acknowledge that maybe you have been wrong, oh man. You remember back when you used to argue as a kid? <laughs> Even if you knew you were wrong, you just kept on what? Arguing. Because you wanted to do it your way. So humility is the key. You know why? 
Because humility is the only way that you can open up yourself to new information. I mean, think about it. In humility, those of us who have found God, we learn there was a God and we discover that he has a son and his son's name is Jesus. And Jesus has made a huge difference in our lives. So we say as humbly as we know how, we're not better. We're not better than anybody else. We're just better off than we used to be. And that difference has made all of the difference in our lives. And so it's not that we don't think we think others are wrong or we're right and all that. It's that we know that we're better off because we've humbly said, God, I want to submit and live by the way that you have taught us to live. And it gives me the motivation and the courage to love my neighbor as myself. And for that, we're so grateful. And we're so glad that you've decided to come and check us out here today to be a part of this. And, and next week, we're going to start a new series that we're going to begin to explore what's taking place on the inside of us. Because some of us have had some of the stuff that's been on the inside. It started to come out of the outside. And so we want to explore a little bit of that. But before that, I want to pray for you, not only just for today, but also the way that you kind of move and interact this week. And know as we do that, that this God we've been talking about, he does still have the whole world in his hand. And it may not look like it when you look out the window or you look at the news, but it's because of the great love and care that he has shown for us and the confidence that we have that he has been all throughout history, that this God will continue to be faithful. So let me pray with you today. Father, today we're glad and grateful that we get to be called your children, that you've allowed us to, to be invited into your family. And you just didn't leave us there without knowledge and without truth, but instead you sent your son so that we might have a way to live differently, so that we could be the best versions of ourselves, but so that we could be people who didn't just think of ourselves first, but we were able to explore and, and put others in front of ourselves. And, and, and honestly, God, that has made such a huge difference in my life personally once I was able to finally gravitate towards that. So thanks for sending your son, not so that we'd feel miserable about ourselves, but so that we might be free and have freedom because we're found that we can live in the guardrails of your son and what he taught and the way that he has given us freedom in life. And for that, we're grateful. We love you, God. Thanks for sending your son, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week.